Hey dance fashion lovers, looking for the perfect dancewear to elevate your look and performance? Well, try SMK Dancewear. Apart from their innovative and environmentally friendly approach to apparel making, discover also a stunning collection of leotards, jumpsuits, vests, and their new line of cotton long leg warmers, designed with both style and comfort in mind. Whether you're a ballet dancer, a hip-hop enthusiast, or anything in between, SMK Dancewear has something for everyone. Visit them at their headquarters in Seoul, South Korea, for you to experience top-notch quality and personalized service. Their passionate and international team will help you find the perfect fit and style to express your unique dance identity. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below. I didn't want to be a part of that project if I was paid well, the company named someone's flaunting it or the producers of that project were getting paid but the dancers who are the bread and butter and the product and the face of the show were not getting paid well i just said that's just not something i want to be in it and i was ready to walk away from it hello and welcome to the background dancer i'm your host jason yup Thank you for joining me with our community of passionate dance contributors from around the world and across different fields. In this podcast, I offer educational conversations and insightful tips to help you better understand all things offstage about this curious art form. Business is the bedrock of modern society, providing the tools for all supply and demand, be it in the arts or otherwise. As artists, however, we are often our own businesses and the bedrock of the gig economy. Without freelancers, the arts would literally crumble. In this extract, we talk about ways to approach dance as a solo entrepreneur, a business person of your own career, and a financially savvy decision maker in an ever-changing, unpredictable, and often cutthroat industry. All right, I got a curiosity. Maybe this is much more for Joshua as well, uh, pertaining back to this idea of like value. Right? Like, as we all know, there's something called the opportunity cost. Uh, so, for example, can you remember when you've been offered a contract or any sort of job and because the conditions were not as satisfactory or not even close to being satisfactory, uh, you were much more leaning towards rejecting that contract. But you, at, the, at that very moment in time, you maybe did not have anything else to latch on to, any other sort of jobs like uh, would you still kind of do that? Would you, would you still reject that offer and kind of go jobless for an even longer time? Or uh, would you take that contract uh, and kind of like, okay, for lack of a better phrase, like suck it up, you know, for under very, very shitty conditions? Because, yeah, that's what I used to do as well. <laughs> um, and so I think we've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like this is idea. This is really this idea of like, okay, at what point can you actually say that I'd rather go jobless instead of doing this shit? Because, uh, yeah, like my time is much more uh, valuable. Uh, I mean, another, another way to look at value is, uh, I think, whilst both of you were speaking, uh, I was thinking, okay, like, 
the times that I've been able to sort of sell my value at the highest possible uh, peak is when I view my my value not in terms of like you said like a touchable sort of product right like I I I know I am the product uh, but what I'm literally what I'm actually basically selling is my knowledge so my yeah. knowledge my whole life uh, and this kind of knowledge when paired with certain skill sets become the the product that we are actually selling so in in, in terms of your experiences like uh how, how have you been able to navigate that you know because you are like, uh, like you said you know, a freelancer and you've had to you really have to deal with this idea of like balancing between accepting really shitty contracts versus like potential of going jobless for an extended period of time that's a great question and i'm ready to jump on it right away uh, I think it really comes down to understanding what your needs are. Uh, and I do that every year. Like, I think I forgot when I started this, but every year I make a list of what is most important to me. And I change and reorder that as what is the topmost priority. And I love it when I see something that's not financially or artistically derived come higher up on the ladder things like oh quality time with friends and family and i was like oh wow i'm prioritizing this now over career advancement opportunities so to speak so i think for me having that really clear has really helped me be able to choose what is worth it and depending and because i have that priority list even if the work is shitty i have taken it on sucked it up knowing what what's in it for me and an example i have is i did one shitty ass job that i tried to erase from my memory because the pay was crappy the show was shitty the experience was really bad with that choreographer and that production all of it but i took that knowing that during that creative process i would be networking i would have time whatever money little that was uh, to understand the context and the scene in Bangalore. And also, I also knew what my opportunities were going into the Bangalore. I knew that even if the pay was less, I could save on it by staying with friends or trying to offset as much of the opportunity costs in it. And lo and behold, I moved to Bangalore after that. And it really set me up. And I know that work was shitty, but... I just took it knowing that there was something like it offered something of value and opportunity for me, even if it was not financial. So I think what you said is really, really key in that we have to realize what resources are available for us. And a lot of the times it's also time, not just financial. Finance is a big thing. And I tried, I harp on that all the time in <laughs> to anyone I come across, teach or work with, I'm like, yeah, you have to pay everyone. And part of that, with this project that I mentioned, NDA, I can't really talk about it. I was okay to just not do that project, even though it was really something that really excited me, the project. But given that if I didn't want to be a part of that project, if I was paid well, the company named someone's flaunting it or the producers of that 
project were getting paid, but the dancers who are the bread and butter and the product and the face of the show were not getting paid well. I just said, that's just not something I want to be in it. And I was ready to walk away from it. And I think that's what kind of made me be able to negotiate a better deal for the future dancers I'll be employing. So I think for me, identifying what's valuable for me, my needs uh, really helps me able to, you know, suck it up when it's necessary. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, for sure, man. Like, uh, I think, wow. Let, 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 let's let's put it this way. So uh, I really like the fact that you this NDA project that we're talking about as well is that you were also responsible for other people, right? So when that when that yeah. becomes another factor to factor in, a yeah, that's to factor in, like, <laughs> that's going to be much more complicated. Like you're not just sort of fighting for a contract for yourself which in most cases uh, isn't as complicated, but, you know, yeah. you're sort of also responsible for other people's well-being. Oh, my gosh. And, like, they look up to you to go and obtain the best contract possible. Uh, so then you're not just sort of, what do you call it, pinpointing your value based on your own work or your life's work. You're also sort of distributing value across maybe <laughs> a couple of different people. And each one of each individual, of course, offers a different set of values. So uh, that's something quite interesting. Within, when, for example, one day if you do uh, open, uh, I mean, you already have a collective, but uh, for example, when you are really uh, flooded with contracts, <laughs> hopefully one day, you know, and 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 that collective, the two or six collective, getting to tour and all that, you're gonna have to really think about all these contracts and how they sort of help. Uh, the individuals who are part of your company and how to continue uh, providing for them the best possible way so that uh, they don't leave and uh, not just that but if they do they would still have uh, the best possible like uh, relationship with you right uh, and I, I actually experienced uh, just to share a little bit like I experienced this quite a lot at my own company because um, my, my company right now I mean it's a very small company and uh, with with small companies, uh, there, there's there's always this, uh, how, let's say you can say like it's, it's almost like a fear that uh, when they when they when they lose people, they always have to fear that they won't be able to replace them with someone just as good, or let's just say someone familiar with their work, right? So for example, they signed they signed me uh, to this company three years ago, and uh, I'll probably stay for another year, but like uh, before we made that decision together collectively, like I was speaking out about like, okay, I, I really do want to leave. That's why I was auditioning around. And there was this fear of like, okay, uh, you, oh my gosh, if you leave, then how are we going to replace you and how are we going to have the same, let's say, domain of knowledge? Uh, we're going to have to restart everything over again. So we, we, we went into a lot of these discussions of like, okay, what can we do for like the company or what can the company sort of do, like upskill uh, in order to sort of persuade people who are already at the company, uh, firstly, not to leave, uh, to have a more motivation to stay, but at the same time, 
sort of act as a magnet, um, an attraction for other talents all around the world to come to this company. Uh, and it all goes back to the idea of like value once again like what value do you provide to the company because uh in other companies that i know uh, i've heard of companies that literally just sack their people right on like there were a couple of stock theaters in germany that uh as soon as the new director came in they just literally fired the oh, entire crew ouch, without that's second thought yeah so one day they were rehearsing. The next day, uh, they receive a letter saying, "Oh, sorry, we will not offer you a new contract. Everyone's going to go, including some of the rehearsal directors, even." And that is just painful. And probably you won't see that in a smaller company because it's a much more intimate setting. And yeah, like the resources are very limited. At the same time, because of that limitation, uh, you wouldn't get this sort of free-for-all buffet as well, where big companies, like, everyone wants to be part of, uh, you can easily find talent. You know, small companies, people don't want to go there. Uh, that's why there's always sort of this double-edged sword of, like, people don't want to go there, but people who already are there uh, are told not to leave. <laughs> so, uh, for me, it's always about, like, okay, uh, I have value, uh, so how can I sort of either increase my value at this company uh so that it serves the company, but at the same time, one day if an opportunity arises, I can also leave the company because at the end of the day, I am my own business, right? Like, I cannot sort of, whatever company at all, it, uh, one, you, know, you, can't, you can't sort of serve one company that's like not yours for the, forever unless that company is aligned with your values from top to bottom. Like my father worked for the same company for 30 years, uh, actually 45. Uh, and... I, I don't think our current generation has anything close to that kind of loyalty. But at the same time, there are so few companies nowadays who also treat their employees with that much loyalty. So yeah, uh, I really like the idea that, yes, you have to treat yourself like a business. You have to have your multitude of insurance policies in case something goes wrong uh but at the very end of the day like you said joshua like learning how to take care of that value and 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 in fact for, for me like because of my personality and all that it's, it's always about how to increase that value as i go right because for yeah. example You've you got this NDA project, right? I, I also have an NDA project that I, I would love to I love about. that we're talking so much about this NDA project. It's like, don't talk about it, but I'm just like, Look, that should be the topic 40% of, the of my chat. time talking about this project. <laughs> next topic yeah, is right? no, Joshua's because, NDA. <laughs> I, love, I love the NDA part about it. It's like, oh my God, I gotta I can't talk about it. NDA, NDA, NDA. Like, okay, shit. Like, hey guys, guess what? I have an NDA project too. I can't talk about it. But I would love to talk about it please can i break the nda clause you know, like. <laughs> but seriously like, okay i got this new nda project right like uh and, and and honestly like when it came to me uh this was the first time i've ever received any kind of job of this nature right and it's, it's of, of course you know something to do with media and my podcasting work it's like oh my gosh this is the first time i've received a job that is sort of related to my venture into podcasting, into media work, that is non-dance related, that still relates back to a dance sort of setting. And then when I think about it, it's like uh, across my years of like dancing and building this profile, the, the, the goal was always to increase that said value 
of, of who you are that you attribute to yourself. And then when somebody on the outside looks at you, it's, it's always sort of very different because you can kind of sell yourself in a certain way, but you are worth what someone is willing to pay for, right? Mm-hmm. So like when this project came to me, I was like, what? Wait a minute. I've never thought of myself as that particular disability uh an mba style thing but at the same time it's like oh my gosh i I have that value like people are willing to pay me to do that kind of work uh so okay the the value has increased and uh the best thing about it is that i don't know about you joshua but like for example like okay uh someone's gonna pay me like a hundred a hundred dollars for for this contract right uh and then if i receive a similar job again in the in the future like Hell no! I'm gonna go down to ninety nine. Exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna go to a thousand. Like holy shit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and those guys would be like, "Hey, Joshua, how can you how can you charge at a thousand dollars?" And like, oh, don't blame me. Blame the guy who paid me a hundred two years ago. That was two years ago. Like, you know, adjusted for inflation. Like it's a thousand now. (laughs) Inflation. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I think. Again, this comes back to understanding your situation, your USB. And, you know, as there's two things key here. It's I want to say don't compare yourself with others because I think your situation is always going to be different. Like, where are you able to make concessions and compromise a little just to get yourself advanced a little? But also, I think it's important to, as you said, you know, ask around who else is in this field, who else is doing this, just to one, educate yourself, understand the standards and benchmarks so you can raise the standards, not just for yourself, but for the industry, you know. So I think there is room for growth and abundance for everyone. I really believe in <laughs> lots of abundance and space. And something I keep quoting, I think it came up during these podcasts is, Dance is a hugely underinvested industry, right? So I think the more we understand this and leverage it for our benefit and for the others' benefit, I think we just keep rising on top. So 100% agree, Jason. And so when I'm thinking about this next festival, I'm thinking about, you know, what what have we experienced or what do we provide or what are we all about? You know, sort of what Joshua was saying earlier, like what is the organization's ethos in creating, you know, a strong business strategy. And so to, to me, what I think about just on a very uh, surface level analysis, you know, for strengths of all house, you know, we're a team of artists. We're passionate. We aren't necessarily uh, driven by money. We are trying to create a, a new space for free and accessible dance opportunities we're the only ones that really exist in LA at this capacity. Um, we're small scale right now, but it is scalable uh, depending upon how much you know money and funding that we bring in because really that's just the biggest issue that we have is money. But that's the issue that we're trying to eliminate for those that are in attendance. So I think uh, that's a strength for us that we can develop as long as we uh, take on our opportunities. And I think the opportunities that lie ahead for us is, you know, bigger events, bigger donors, um, bigger classes, bigger festivals, uh, bolstering uh, a bigger online live stream community, connecting with other events and festivals, as well as organizations and artists, because we're an artist collective that appreciates and celebrates art that's around us that are local and within our own uh, individual network. There's opportunities to branch out from just even festivals, dance and music to film or 
video games or other modalities of art, like the visual arts or even things that are consumable, like food, like, uh, you know, uh, b- flower bouquets or ceramics or, you know, art- artistic prints. And uh, that is something that we can create on a larger scale once we are able to acquire more funding uh, through uh, different opportunities. But I think what can be also a, a strength can also be a weakness, which for us is that creating a free and accessible event, everybody kind of knows there's nothing really truly free in this world. And so there's always going to be someone who takes the cost. And to me, um, a strength of my own is that I'm willing to self-invest and put into this because it's a passion project of mine that I absolutely love. And I mean, even last Saturday, I didn't even have to have a lick of caffeine, but I felt like I was just high on crack cocaine because I was so happy and excited to see how well it was working and how people were just coming together and celebrating and just, uh, everybody was just all smiles. I mean, it was just, it, it was fascinating. So there you have it, another wonderful extract discussion of our Clubhouse Roundtables, Why Dance by Jcast. In our next and final episode of our Clubhouse special series here, we explore dance and failures. What were some of your biggest failures in dance? Well, we like to know, but stay tuned and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe, comment, and leave a review on your designated podcast and social media platforms. If you found this interesting or helpful, feel free to share with members of your community so that they too may connect with us in our quest to foreground dance in the background. I'm Jason Yup of The Background Dancer, and as always, catch you next time. If you're listening to this in South Korea or just taking a trip through their wonderful city of Seoul and looking for a quick yet sensible fix for your dance wardrobe, look no further than SMK Dancewear's open studio event happening from the 13th to the 16th of June at their headquarters. Join them for an exclusive peek into the studio and showroom spaces where you'll discover a stunning collection of dancewear that combines style, comfort and performance. From elegant leotards to sleek leggings and everything in between, they've got you covered for all your dance needs. And if that's not enough to entice you, there will be of course food, drinks and the entire community of SMK customers to accompany you along this day-long get-together. Best of all, you get an extended time to speak with the brains behind it all, Sandra Minor Kang herself. So reserve your visit time through their Kaukau Talk channel or Instagram account to ensure an exclusive visit. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below.